The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. John Owen Jones is an award-winning musical theatre actor and singer best known for his portrayals of Jean Valjean in Les Miserables and The Phantom in The Phantom of the Opera. And this Christmas, John has released a Christmas single, Track 1, Holly Jolly Christmas, and Track 2, On Christmas Eve. Both tracks are taken from John Owen Jones' The Christmas Album, released last year. On Christmas Eve is a previously unheard track from the vaults of Les legendary songwriter Les Reed, who wrote Delilah and It's Not Unusual, among many others. And John is on the phone here. How are you today? I'm pretty good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So one of the songs on the single, On Christmas Eve, it's a great song with great lyrics and it just gets you in the Christmas mood, doesn't it? I like to think so. You know, when I was putting this whole Christmas album together, um, it was very much requested by a lot of my fans. It's never something I'd ever even thought of doing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I thought, well, I'll just stick to certain classic Christmas tracks, and you know, hence the song "Holy Jolly Christmas" and "The Most Wonderful Time of the Year" and things like that. You know. Yeah. And then when I was digging a bit deeper, I found this track. Um, Donna Reed, Les Reed's daughter, um, I, I know her from from a long time, and she said she had this track that her dad had, and I, I took it, and I thought, this is perfect. It's mm. right up my street. So I just thought, can I just modernise it a bit? Can I tweak some of the lyrics? And so Donna um, said yes, and so I did, and now I'm, I'm really happy with the result. And I, yeah. the funny thing about my Christmas album, I have to say this, is that I recorded it last summer in a heat wave. <laughs> so um, if you can imagine me sweating in the studio while singing songs about snow and winter, <laughs> um, you know, that's, uh, so hopefully I've managed to get away from that and, and put people in the Christmas spirit when they listen to it. Did that help you cool down in the heat wave singing about snow or did it maybe make it even worse? <laughs> you know what it was really hot in there there was no air conditioning either yeah. uh, but the my engineer the guy i used to record the album for me he was uh he put like a christmas tree up he put lights everywhere <laughs> so it felt christmassy but all the extra lights made it even warmer oh no <laughs> and hopefully we'll be able to warm up this christmas by listening to your album oh, yeah. maybe you had a bit of a warm voice i don't know if that's a thing well yeah maybe and also do you know what if you if you want to warm up a christmas time without putting the heating on and spending loads of money maybe put my album on instead yes. might be a cheaper way of warming up this Christmas yeah the vibrations that come out of the speakers will create some kind of <laughs> kinetic energy yeah. yeah why do you think On Christmas Eve has never been heard before 
I've no idea. I really don't. I mean, you know, a lot of songwriters are really prolific. They write all the time. I mean, Lloyd Webber's got an enormous back catalogue that that he will just dip into. When he's got got an idea for a song, he will look back and stuff he's just written just for fun yeah. and then plunder that, you know. And that's what songwriters do a lot of the time. They have like a like a deep vault of stuff that was never heard or never used, but was always intended to be used. You don't write a song just for you to listen to. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously Les Reed, when he when he put this song together, he wanted the world to hear it, but for some reason it never got out there. So I'm delighted to be, you know, p- to be the person, to be the voice that, that gets his, his tunes across, you know? Yeah. And you say that this Christmas album was very much requested by the fans. You'd never really yeah. thought of doing one before. That's what a lot of people say, I think. The Christmas album kind of just comes out of the blue because fans wanted it. They never dreamed of it, really. Well, yeah, and you know, like, you know, you can look at the classic Christmas albums. There's loads of brilliant Christmas albums out there, you know, that Jamie Cullen springs to mind and Michael Bublé, of course. But, you know, my fans in particular, you know, they know my voice. They wanted to hear me sing uh, Christmas stuff. So when they put a Christmas album on, they could put my voice on, which is very lovely to hear, you know. And it was very much one of those things where the more I thought about it, the more sense it made purely, and this is going to sound ridiculous, from a financial point of view, because <laughs> it, it sells every year, you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, I, I'm, really, I'm really proud of it. I think it's an album of two halves, so there's, there's the first half is all kind of classic Christmas songs, and the second half is songs like on Christmas Eve, unheard, kind of unknown, a mm. bit more modern, a bit more interesting. So you've got an album, you've got almost like a double album in a single album, and it's just, I think it, it should take all the boxes of people at Christmas, that's what I want anyway. And for the side that has these classic Christmas songs, one of them is Holly Jolly Christmas, of course, from this yeah. single. Of course, there are loads of versions of these Christmas songs, aren't there? Do you think yeah. you've managed to put your own twist on it? Well, I mean, that, the whole idea behind that song was, you know, actually, we wanted to do the whole album live to begin with, and just record stuff in a room and get that kind of party feeling yeah and this song you know there's there's a few sound effects on it there's some laughter and sounds like it's it's somebody singing in your living room which is kind of what you want that song to be i think you know and that's kind of that was the vibe that we were going for is that you know the, the whole album was originally going to be like a live recording and live Christmas songs with with the audience there and like a warm feeling, everyone drinking around the fire. And I, I tried to emulate that just on this track instead, and I think it works. Yeah. Were there any Christmas songs that you wanted to record but didn't have space for? <laughs> yes, there was one in particular. I mean, I'm a huge rock fan. I know yeah. I'm known for musical theatre. I'm a huge rock fan. I would love to have covered The Darkness, mm. Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End. Yeah. But, you know, there are certain songs which I think are almost untouchable, and that's <laughs> one of them. You know, and there's no point doing a, a recording, for example, of Merry Christmas, Everybody by Slade, or Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day, because people will always go to the original versions. Yeah. You know, but there are certain songs that you can kind of lend your voice to. But I think that the song by The Darkness is one of my favourite Christmas songs. It's the first Christmas song I play when it comes to Christmas songs. That's an interesting one, because maybe some people wouldn't expect the genre of rock with somebody like you, but it makes perfect sense, because that has some very high notes in it. Famously, the darkness (laughs) have high notes. Yeah, and also, you know, rock music is, by its very nature, very theatrical, so I I love that side of it too. And uh, Yeah, the darkness is one of my favourite bands. I think they were possibly the best rock band to come out of Britain in the last 30, 40 years and uh, Mm. I adore them and that song in particular. In fact, 
I had money on that to go to number one when it came out. I oh, had no. 50 quid in it. It was on <laughs> It was on at something like 200 to one. Nobody was excited. And it came so close. Yeah. I would have made thousands of pounds, but it was robbed right at the last minute by some miserable Tears for Fears cover. Yes. But uh, <laughs> I didn't feel very Christmassy that weekend, to tell you. Yes. <laughs> now, when did you first realise that you wanted a career in musical theatre and singing and all of this? You know, I grew up in a small town in South Wales and opportunities were limited. My dad was a butcher and uh, I was, you know, part of the family business and I used to have a love for music and a love for, for theatre and stuff like that that I just kind of, you know, I used to love watching films and things. And I joined a theatre company and I was very much interested in acting. I just thought everybody could sing. Like, you know, I'm Welsh. I mean, everybody does, don't they, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, but then I was kind of, I was offered the, cho- the choice to sing uh, a solo in a cabaret concert as part of my youth theatre. And I was like, no way, I, I don't want to do that at all. But my director, um, a guy called Chris Reese, he said to me, look, if I give you a duet, will you do that? I said, no, I don't really want to do a duet either. So it's half as much work. So, well, it's not really, is it? Because I still have to worry about it. <laughs> but how about if you do it with this girl, Jill, who I know you've got a crush on, and we can direct it uh, so that you can have a kiss at the end, like it's in the script. I'm like, oh, OK, I'll give it a go. So then I did that. I sang this song with this girl I really fancied. I kissed her at the end. Then I got a huge round of applause. And then I thought, hmm, this could be the life for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of when I thought, do you know what? I love I love the feeling of uh, belonging to a group of people all with a shared common goal. And that's what you have in the theatre company, you know, and I love all that. Um, and I just, I just kind of found a real affinity for that when I was about 15, 16 and kind of never really looked back. It's always something I've been, I don't, I wouldn't know what else to do now, to be honest. It's always <laughs> been something I've done and hopefully it'll always be something I do. For a lot of people, the very idea of singing in front of a huge crowd of people terrifies them. So do you think <laughs> yeah. it excites you? I mean, do you still get nervous? Well, you know, I only ever get nervous if I'm not prepared and that's, that's the worst thing. And you know, Christmas time particularly is a really busy time for actors and concert performers like myself because, you know, we jump from different Christmas concerts to different Christmas concerts. I'm doing concerts in the Isle of Wight, in Belfast, in Dublin, in London, all over the place this Christmas. And different songs and different concerts. And so I'm suddenly having to learn stuff I've never heard before. And then because I'm doing so much, I'm never quite prepared enough. And that's when I get nervous. I go on not entirely knowing how it's going to go. Do you know what I mean? Because I haven't yeah. rehearsed something enough. And that's, uh, so Christmas time is the busiest and also the most, most nerve-wracking time for me as a performer. But yeah. otherwise, if I'm well rehearsed, you know, and it's a big concert that I know all the words and I know what I'm going to do, or if it's a show I've rehearsed for six weeks, I'm never really nervous because I'm prepared, you know? Yeah. And also, you've got to remember as a performer, the audience, 99.9% of them are there to see you do well and want to enjoy the show. There's always the odd person that doesn't. But <laughs> when you when you realise that, it kind of takes the nerves away because you all want the whole thing to be a nice experience, you know? Yeah, for sure. Christmas is, of course, a busy time, but is that maybe a good thing? Because it means you've got a lot of work. And if the... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Work dries up. That's what you need to worry about. Well, yeah. Well, of course, for the last few years in in my industry, I'm not sure what's been like on the radio side of the world, but uh, in my industry, particularly live performances, all just stopped all of a sudden overnight. And suddenly all my work dried up. And so now I don't say no to anything. And, you know, all the stuff that's coming up at Christmas time, yes, it's really busy. But, you know, I'm just like putting the money in the bank and saving it for a rainy day because, you know, that's what you have to do. If I've learned one thing over the last few years is to not not expect everything just to happen. You have to make sure that you prepare for the future. In the early days, you never really had any formal singing training, did you? So did you just naturally have a great voice? Or did you teach yourself, or how did it work? Well, I mean, I used to sing along to, you know, being a rock fan, rock music. I used to sing along, I used to emulate that, and I used to really like Pavarotti. And of course, being Welsh, you know, there's a choral tradition down there, so I would listen to choirs and stuff, and I would sing along and just kind of copy the sound. I mean, that's how opera singers discover their opera singers, by copying other opera singers. They kind of pretend to be an opera singer, and then suddenly they've got, oh, I can do this. You know, it's like you do an impersonation, and then suddenly you realise you can do it. And that's how I found my voice, you know. I wasn't really interested in singing at all. I played the drums, I played the guitar. I'd never really wanted to be a singer. Um, but then I went to drama school and, you know, I realised that I actually had an extra string to my bow that would help me in the professional workplace. I was able to sing. So I left drama school, I went straight into work, worked solidly for a number of years and some of the best actors I've ever known who were in drama school with me never worked mm. because they didn't have that one extra thing. And I had the voice. So I kind of, when I was in drama school as well, I learned how to produce the sound safely as an actor. And then we had some singing lessons and I had one singing lesson. And the singing teacher said to me, I don't want you to have any more singing lessons because what you do is natural. And if I start telling you about it, you know, it might mess you up because you might start thinking about it too much and you might start wow. getting concerned with how you do it. And it might, your natural technique is there. 
you shouldn't really do anything to it because it might get spoiled. And that's what I did. So wow. I've never had anything but one singing lesson. Yeah. So do you know what you're doing, despite the fact that you haven't had any guidance? Well, I mean, I suppose it's like, you know, any kind of... I mean, singing and acting is a craft. It's not an art. It's a craft, right? It's something yeah. you learn. And the more you do it, you get better at it. And of course, I was doing eight shows a week in the West End and learning how to produce the sound and how if one day I had a sore throat or I felt a bit tired... I suddenly had to kind of work at making the sound as opposed to yeah. letting it just pour out. And as you get older, of course, that becomes more important. So I've learned how to sing by singing. That's the easiest way to describe it, really. Yeah. I mean, I have a natural ability to do it, but then how to do it and sustain it and keep it healthy, that's something that you learn yeah. on the job. And I guess what I really mean is, do you know that what you're doing is correct? You can tell that you're able to sing oh. good. You have the ear. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's. I would say it's equivalent to driving a car. You know, if you, if you don't know how to drive a car, you're going to crash. Yeah. And it's the same for singing. You kind of, you can feel when something's wrong and you feel when something's right. Mm. Or even it's like hitting a golf ball. You know, when you get that swing just right, it feels great. Yeah. But it's not always great all the time and you've got to work to make it great every time and that's that's what singing is really. Now you're probably best known for your portrayals of Jean Valjean in Les Miserables and The Phantom in The Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Everybody knows those two musicals. Uh-huh. The Phantom of the Opera when you see it you kind of sing it in your head as well. Why do you think they are so successful eternally? Do you know, if I knew the answer to that question, I would be a billionaire. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, but I don't think even the producers and the writers themselves quite know how. You know, I mean, because, you know, I've just come back from Australia where I was performing the music of Bublil and Schoenberg, who wrote Les Mis and yeah. who wrote Miss Saigon, two huge blockbuster musicals, but they've never replicated that success with other shows. Because they, they, they just struck gold at that right time. And it's the same for Lloyd Webber. You know, he's written loads and loads of shows, but only really a handful are massively successful. Yeah. And also they're of their time. But I think ultimately those two shows in particular are a perfect example of how to perform modern musical theatre. They're a great combination of a good story, which is the most important thing, some great music, great tunes, interesting um, performances and actors and superb set design. And just something that when people come and watch them, they can just switch off and forget and immerse themselves in this wonderful experience of watching these musicals. And I think that's probably why they're so successful. But actually, if you, if you actually were able to create a blueprint of how to do it, I don't think anybody could. They just struck gold, you know, they, they caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And what would you say has been your favourite role over the years? That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I, you know, I mean, obviously I'm known for doing those two big shows, you know, Phantom and, and Limit. Yeah. Valjean in Les Mis is probably my favourite uh, of all the shows I've done because of what it's given me and also it's very satisfying but the one I'm currently most favoured of is the next show I'm doing in the West End which is uh, the Great British Bake Off the musical yeah. it sounds like an insane idea right <laughs> but when it was pitched to me last year uh, would you be interested in playing the Paul Hollywood character I'm like well I don't know about that it sounds like a crazy idea send me the script and the music I had a look at it and I was like right where do I sign up this is brilliant and we did a tryout last year, sorry, this year, just gone in, in July, August, in Cheltenham for two weeks. The audiences went crazy for it. It was really fantastic. Now, we're coming into London for a limited run. 
And, you know, it's it's a little Christmas present I've got to look forward to that. You know, the fact that I'm going to be in London in the West End doing a show I absolutely love that's not Limmy's or Phantom. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think I read about this a few months ago and I think we have to point out for legal reasons, it's not the Paul Hollywood character, it's <laughs> Phil Hollinghurst. No relation yeah. at all. Well, no relation at all, no, but um, he does look an awful lot like him. <laughs> yes, and um, they have, I mean, obviously we have the tent and we have the cakes and also Love Productions, the company that produced the TV show, fully endorsed this and there's their money behind it, they're supporting it. Yeah. But I think they rather rightly decided that they didn't want to call these characters Paul Hollywood and Prue Leith. Yeah. They wanted characters that were similar but not them. So they gave them new names, but, you know, and it's also like a knowing wink to the audience. Hi, I'm Phil Hollinghurst, but you know who I am, really. Yeah. You know, and, and Paul was going to come and see it in Cheltenham, but he couldn't because he had COVID. But Prue Leith came and she loved it, you know. Yeah. And it was just an enormously satisfying experience and one I'm really looking forward to. With the name changes, do you have a lot more freedom with the characters? You don't have to play it as Paul Hollywood would be? Well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what's also very good about it, is that you don't have to do incredibly accurate and Impersonation. Yeah. You know, like like this Elvis movie that was out recently. The guy could not do anything other than an Elvis impersonation. Yeah. You know what I mean? As good as he was. You know, but but with me I can I can have a bit of license, you know, because there are scenes in it where I sing ridiculously high and do some dancing and you wouldn't really expect Paul Hollywood to do that. <laughs> but also at the same time I'm also you know, I'm, I'm demonstrating baking techniques and slapping a strudel and it's look, it's brilliant and I highly recommend you come to see it and anyone who's listening comes to see it because they'll have a great time. And that's going to be in 2023, right? That's right, yeah. It's running at the Noel Coward Theatre in the West End between February and May. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, what else is coming up for you other than that? Any more exciting projects? Well, I mean, after Christmas, you know, and obviously my, my number one single after this interview, yes. I'll, um, <laughs> I've got some Christmas concerts lined up and then I'm going to Japan to perform over there in a show called Voices of the West End. And then I'm concentrating solely on um, Great British Bake Off. And I'm looking into making another album as well. I'm starting the, the process of that, starting thinking about that because I have, to, I have to release one every couple of years. And my last proper album that was like musical theatre kind of based, you know, was in 2019. And, you know, so it's time now to start thinking about the next one, I think. Yeah. I've put £50 on on Christmas Eve getting to number one. And also, just for insurance, <laughs> another £50 on Holly Jolly Christmas. So I'm in the money either way. Well, I mean, well, you are, if you are a betting company. If you're, if you're a bookie, <laughs> you're definitely going to keep that money, mate, because £100 is not going to go anywhere other than into the bookie's pockets, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> what are you up to for Christmas? Anything exciting? No, not really. Well, actually, because I'm, I'm, you know, as, as I said, I'm working everywhere. So I'm only, I've only really got about three days um, where I'll be spending some time with the family. But I'm, I'm performing in Belfast in the run up to Christmas. And then I come home, have a couple of days at home for Christmas. And then I go to Dublin to perform for New Year's Eve. So, mm. yeah, it's work, work, work. So, but, you know, as I said earlier, I used to be a butcher. So, you know, Christmas was the busiest time then. So it's always been yeah. the busiest time of my life, Christmas, you know. Well, the new singles are called Holly Jolly Christmas and On Christmas Eve, taken from John Owen Jones's The Christmas Album, which are available to stream, download and buy and whatever right now, aren't they? <laughs> they are indeed. And uh, yeah, if everyone does go out and buy this, then hopefully your money will be safe and you'll make <laughs> a bit of money from the betting office, all right? Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us and have a great Christmas. Sure. Happy Christmas to you too. Whoa! 
Clubbing post of sound, 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 sound. The Toby Gribbon Show.